This is recording number 10887 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Cordelia, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, October 10, 2010. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Halloween A Redemptive View. Deuteronomy chapter 11. We're going to begin reading at verse 22 in just a minute. But let me uh, kind of set the stage by saying that, did you know that Halloween has become the, has surpassed Thanksgiving as the second most celebrated holiday in the United States? And it's kind of hard to, to miss. Uh, beginning around September, the stores fill up with all the costumes and candy and decorations and whatnot, about, I don't know, uh, less than half a mile from here is one of those big spirit Halloween stores. You can't miss them. They're everywhere. And it, uh, part of the reason for that is that uh, Halloween is seen as a non-religious holiday. So everybody gets to dive in and participate. And uh, so, yeah, it's really become a big deal, even more so than it was when I was growing up. And... Uh, there's a lot of things about it that uh, kind of, I mean, like a couple of weeks ago, actually it was a week ago, my grandson was trying on his, um, his uh, tiger costume for the first time. And I got to tell you, it just slayed me. You know, just this little guy with his, with his and he goes, Rawr! And I guess and you just go, who, who wouldn't love that? Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to open the door to that on, a, on Halloween night and just pour the whole bucket of candy in there, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's everywhere. It's, it's a big deal. And uh, to pretend that it isn't is kind of silly. What I want to do today is talk a little bit about Halloween and a redemptive view of it. And you may be one of the people who are thinking, why do we even need a redemptive view? Well, I, I think that, uh, again, before we're done today, you may, you may be able to understand where I'm coming from on that. But Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 22, um, we're going to read two and a half verses here is all, 22, 23, and the first part of verse 24. And I'll tell you right up front a couple of things. Number one, and, and just pardon me for a minute. You've got, while you've got your finger there or whatever in Deuteronomy chapter 11, we'll be back. Let me kind of give you a little bit of inside baseball here. I'm, as a pastor, um, I, there's three ingredients that I, I think are essential to every sermon, message, you know, whatever it is that you want to describe what I do up here on Sunday mornings. There's three ingredients that are really, really important to me uh, that are to be a part of that. And one is information, information. We want to be people who are gaining knowledge about God and about his ways and about his word. That we're week in, week out, we are growing in our understandings about God. However, if that's all it was, if, that's all, if all this was was a classroom, it would be kind of like when you go take your, uh, you know, your, your um, uh, traffic school. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Whoo, is that the most boring thing in the world? You're gaining information, 
if you stay awake, right? Uh, we, won't, we don't want that, but we do want to be, as I said, growing in our knowledge of the Lord. The second thing, that, uh, ingredient that's essential to me in terms of my teaching and preaching ministry is I want inspiration. So information and inspiration, there ought to be, we, we come here for transcendence, not just for information. We come here to be transported into a place where something of God inspires me, us. Um, The third thing is impartation. And that is that we want, when we get together around God's word, whether it's here or in microchurch or any other assembly, like Friday night, second Fridays when my wife is sharing out of God's word with our ladies, whatever it is, we want God to be able to impart something to us. Now, we walk away from that experience having received something from God. Amen? So information, inspiration, and impartation. I want all three of those things to be part of any time we gather around God's Word. If all you have is information, uh, it gets really dry. If all you have is inspiration, you have people bouncing off the walls, but there's no substance to what they're doing. And if we are never receiving something from God, we're not being changed. So we want a mix of those things. However, we never get, you know, in every message I've ever preached, any, any uh, gathering of believers I've been a, ever been a part of, we never get those things in equal or, or in per, uh, complete balance. There's always a little bit of tilt one way or another. And I'll just tell you right up front, today's message is going to tilt towards the informational side of the spectrum. I'm praying my guts out that there'll be some inspiration and some impartation, but I just know going into this, we're leaning towards the informational side of things. I'm hoping that we'll learn some things today. Um, so... As we approach this, the other thing I want to tell you in terms of a setup is that these verses that we're going to read right now are not going to probably seem relevant to the theme. They will before we're done. So let's just lay them in the background and then we'll come back to them, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 22. For if you carefully keep all these commandments, which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast or to, to grab hold of him, to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourself. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Let me give you a little background to these verses, and then we'll move on. And we'll come back to them. These verses um, come at a time when the people of Israel, the Jewish people, are, are on the threshold of their destiny. They have not yet crossed the Jordan River. They are on the eastern side of it. And they have been wandering in the... You know the story. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, having been liberated from slavery in Egypt, on their way to God's promises for them. And now they're at the threshold. They're at the door. All they have to do is cross the Jordan and they're, they're in the land of promise. However, there are people, other people there. And people who are ungodly. People who do not honor 
the true God and whose worship practices are evil, uh, even to the point of uh, child sacrifice and, you know, lots of things that we, we don't need to even discuss here. And God was telling them as they were poised on the threshold of, of, the, of their destiny in God, he was saying to them, if you listen to me, if you hold fast to me, if you love me, as you move into a place that is filled with all sorts of ungodliness and evil, you will find that I am able to dispossess that, to put that down and to transform it so that every place you put your feet, you'll find I'm there and giving that to you. All right, so let's talk about uh, Halloween. First of all, it, there is no place you can turn on the... You can't Google Halloween and get this information. You can't go to Wikipedia. You can't go to the encyclopedia and get, you know, five bullet points about the history of Halloween. It's really a hodgepodge of stuff. But the basics are that it began with a group of people called the Celts or the Celts. You can use either... I, I'm so glad to, to find out that I can use either pronunciation because I'll slip, I'm sure. Celts or Celts. And they are a group of people that inhabited what is now France, Germany, England, Scotland, and Ireland several hundred years before Christ, before the Roman Empire. Their New Year's began November 1st, and so their New Year's Eve celebration was on October 31st. And there was a group of people called the Druids who were the priests of a religion, um, that worshipped a god, Samhain, kind of the god or the lord of the dead. And uh, so the New Year's Eve, the, the Druids led the, the Celtic or Celtic people uh, on their New Year, what was their New Year's Eve, in a celebration uh, of this god of the dead. And that's kind of the basic roots of what has come to be known as Halloween. Once the Roman Empire came along, they began to, once, they, uh, once the Roman Empire captured those regions where the Celtic or Celtic people lived, they began to put down some of the stranger uh, stuff that they were doing, the child sacrifice, so on, so on. And then comes along the Roman Catholic Church, because you'll know if you study history that the Roman... Uh, empire embraced Christianity as its religion, and so there was this sort of unholy combination of the Roman Empire and the Roman Catholic Church. Nonetheless, the Roman Catholic Church began to have influence around the world, and one of the ways that they kind of handled these divergent cultures was to try to make sort of compromises. And one of the things that the Roman Catholic Church did in this instance was sort of Blend the celebration of you know, the worship of Samhain, the you know the god of the, that the Druids um, were priests of, into a celebration known as All Saints Day, November first, All Saints Day, or All Hallows Day, the day before All Hallows Eve. That's where Halloween comes from, and so it's sort of you know they they kind of massaged it around so that everybody gets along and it's not quite so evil and blah, blah, blah. So that's sort of the roots of, of Halloween. Like I said, you can't draw a straight line. There's, like I said, there's not 
you know, five bullet points of the history of Halloween, but those are kind of general facts that most people would agree on. Let's talk about the modern significance, though, because none of us live, you know, at the time of the Roman Empire. Now, Halloween has basically become a secular holiday. I've mentioned that. It's one of the few holidays that we have that doesn't have, at least in most people's minds, a religious connotation. And so people are much more uh, ready, willing to to dive in and celebrate it. And um, there you have it. It's become basically a costume party. People get to dress up and have fun. And, and what's, what's not fun about that? I, I'm one of those guys who hates dressing up, but most people do like to do that. The only time I can actually remember dressing up in a costume was when my mother-in-law gave me a polyester leisure suit. And the only thing I could think of that, to do with that was to wear it on Halloween. So that's the only time I actually remember uh, Dressing up for Halloween, but most people enjoy doing that. Certainly, children do, and they, you know, it kind of puts you kind of get to be somebody else for for one day or one night. So that's kind of part of what's going on. And you know, there's I don't think there's anything wrong or harmful with that. In fact, it's great fun. Trick or treating. Some of the best memories of my childhood have to do with trick or treating. I used to get my my pillowcase, you know. And, I, and I'd go over, I had the neighborhood staked out. I mean, I knew my territory, right? And I knew which houses gave the most candy and which ones gave the popcorn balls, and I avoided those. And anyway, I'd come back with this huge pile of candy and, you know, for free, and get to roam the streets at night with my friends. That It was just so much fun. I loved that. And I enjoy now having the children of our neighborhood I get to come to our house. I get to meet them. I get to, you know, frankly, I pray over them. I mean, I don't, I don't lay hands on them. And Let me pray for you, kid. You know, <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> Woo, they wouldn't come back for sure. But, but I do, you know, just under my breath, you know, quietly, I pray for them when they come to the house. I, I think it's great fun and, and really a, a blessing to, for the for the kids in the neighborhood to get to know the other families and them to know them. There's, it, it, it's, it's, it's great. However, there is still this undertow of darkness horror associated with Halloween. Now, we might put smiley faces on the skeleton, um, but there is, there's still this remnant of this kind of... Uh, darkness associated with the holiday. And so that, that concerns me a little bit just as a, as a person as, and even more so as a pastor because, and as a parent, I mean, I'm, and a grandparent, because we're trying to figure out, all of us, we're trying to figure out how to be part of this without being part of that. How to... You know, I remember one woman, uh, mother, came to me one time and she, she said she was just distraught. <laughs> she was trying to figure out. She had three, three young kids. She was trying to figure out. She was sw- trying to swim upstream. She was trying to figure out how to ha- help her kids enjoy and celebrate Halloween with everybody else. But keep them from the darkness, you know, horror part of it. And yet... Everywhere she turned, she was having... In fact, her kids at school, the teacher assigned them 
a, uh, a poem to memorize. And it was all about a goblin. <laughs> and she said to me, she said, look, even if the, you know, it, I would have been okay with it if the goblin kind of gets his due at the end. He, you know, that justice is served, whatever. But in this poem, the goblin was the hero at the end of the story. And my kids are supposed to memorize this. And it just, I don't know what to do about that. And then she said to me, and by the way, pastor, last week when we came for the harvest party that we had at church, the little bags of candy you gave out all had skeletons and goblins on the bag. You're not helping me here. We sort of goofed up on that. The, the woman who, that wasn't this church, by the way. The woman who provided those bags for us, she was, she was a relatively new Christian. And she was, in fact, she did everything she could to try to, to uh, you know, do the right thing. She got, you know, got uh, <laughs> bats. And, she got bags with bats and skeletons and stuff that had smiles on their faces. And she thought, well, that would take care of it. <laughs> anyway, I know what this is like. You know, we, we don't want to be... We can't, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but we can't just hide from the culture. So what do we do? What do we do? Before I get to what we do, I want to talk to you a little bit more about my concerns regarding this darkness horror theme that still sort of pervades Halloween. Because there is a spiritual impact, I believe. And one of them is that it, there's a trivialization of the occult. And, dear ones, we cannot afford to allow that to happen because there is a real devil. And he's not some sort of smiley-faced ghoul, okay? There's nothing about him that's good. Nothing. Everything about the devil is evil wicked and all of his designs are for yours and my ruination it's not something to play with it's not something for entertainment purposes I I know I I deal you know nearly every day with people who have come under the grip of our adversary, the devil, and his minions, demons. I believe that, the, that there really are demons. They're not just Halloween costumes. They are real. And I deal with people on a regular basis who have come to be held in the grip of something evil. And they can't get free of it. And their lives are diminished. Their relationships are ruined. And I, I just, I don't want to be part of something that makes light of that. Because I know how, I know the conflict, the, the, the battle, the warfare that happens in the spirit that's required in the spirit to see people who are bound freed. And it's not trivial. And we have a God 
in heaven who has triumphed over every foe. There isn't anything left uh, to be negotiated over. There's nothing left to be... um, There's no conflict remaining in terms of what he has secured. But the application of his victory in people's lives requires intensity and diligence and vigilance. And it isn't trivial. The other concern that I have about this whole matter is the accommodation of the spirit of fear. Um, Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to one of his protégés, a grown man, Timothy, said, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. He addressed fear as as a person. God has not given us the spirit of fear. And um, I know what it's like because you're looking at someone. I'm I'm 55 years old and I want to hold on to that as long as I possibly can. That will probably change around April 8th or something. (laughs) We're not going to advertise that. Anyway, I'm I'm 55 years old, but until my mid-20s, so half my life, I spent absolutely afraid of the dark. I could not be alone in the dark. I, I am a very intelligent person. I'm not, I'm not uh, tooting my own horn or, or anything. There's no pride involved in that. It's just I am what I am. I'm an intelligent person. I, I am um, very well aware that there are no boogeymen under my bed. And yet... I spent 25 years terrified, not mildly, ferociously terrified of the dark. It wasn't fun. I figured out how, you know, ways to cope, you know. I, I, I learned how to get through my house without being in a room that was dark because I could, you know, I could turn on this light and then I could make it to another place where I could turn that one off and turn on another one. I, you know, I had ways of coping But when I was in my mid-twenties and my oldest daughter began to scream in the night because of fear and um, dreams that were horrible and uh, bad dreams, whatnot, I realized that this is not... I have to put a stop to this in my life so that my, that my progeny do not come under this same form of bondage. Because it, it it, that's what it was. The spirit of fear had gotten a hold of me at, that part of my, at some part of my life and was just continually um, assaulting me and now was going after my kids. So I got real serious about God with that and and, uh, thank God he delivered me. He freed me. It wasn't, you know, not some sort of self-help kind of therapy sort of thing. It was just I got real serious with God and I realized that this was not, that this was a person 
a demonic personality that had affected my life for way too long and that God had triumphed over that by his son on the cross and that that victory could be mine. And once uh, I... You know, just plowed through that and God put that thing down in, in my life and gave me freedom. Then it began to be able to be passed on. That freedom began to be passed on to my children and, and so on. But, but fear is not something to be toyed with either. And, and you know, there, there's a whole genre of film and entertainment, you know, horror films and so on. I cannot for the life of me understand why anybody would consider that entertainment. If you're a mom and dad, you know that when your kids wake up with those bad dreams screaming in the night, it's because almost always of something they've seen that they've taken to bed with them. Why would you, why would you, why would anybody want to put that kind of junk in your head I don't know but that concerns me now having said all that what do we do about the fact that we are uh, about uh, what is it three weeks away from Halloween well first of all I think we just need to kind of relax (laughs) and I'm not saying that any of you are as uptight as maybe you know I'm making it out to be. But there are a lot of Christians who have gotten really intense about this whole anti-Halloween thing. And I just, I think that's an overreaction. We just need to relax. We are not in jeopardy. We are more than conquerors, the Bible says, through him who loved us. We have nothing to be afraid of. And uh, so, you know, when, when you encounter... I was going through some notes and stuff that I have in my files, articles that have been written by different, you know, preacher people and uh, like me. And, you know, there's just so much haranguing of and wringing of hands and so forth over this issue. And I just think it's really kind of silly. Our God is great. Another part of a redemptive view of this whole thing of Halloween is that we can't retreat from the cultural pollutions around us. And in fact, we're not called to. How many of you have ever said the word Wednesday? Just me, okay. <laughs> Do you know that that's named for the god, the Norse god Woden? Woden's Day? How are you going to purge your life of the word Wednesday? It ain't going to work. Um, you know, birth, how many ever had birthday candles on a cake? That comes from the celebration of the Greek god Artemis. Ever had a Christmas tree in your living room? Comes from a, I mean, well, there's some, some confusion over that. But the likelihood is that uh, comes from a pagan celebration as well. So the, we cannot, uh, you know... <laughs> There's no way for us to sort of isolate ourselves into some sort of monastic kind of, you know, Christianity that has nothing to do with this evil, wicked world over here. Look, we're in it. We're in it. And everywhere we turn, there is junk. (laughs) God has not called us to separate ourselves from the world 
He's called us to separate ourselves from the practices of the world, but to invade the world with the goodness, gospel, and light of our God. So let's take back territory. God told the people of Israel as they were on the threshold of their promised land, look, you're going into a place that is filled with a lot of darkness, a lot of really crummy, cruddy stuff. But if you'll hold fast to me, if you'll do what I say, if you'll love me, you're going to find that I'm going to give you the power to see that, that evil displaced. And you're going to find that every place you put your feet, I'm going to give to you. This is not some sort of triumphalism. You know, this is not about beating our chest as the church and we're going to take back this world for, for Jesus. I, I don't have the time of day for that. But I, I believe that what God told us is true, that when we just live our lives out in a way that honors and loves him, everywhere we go, something of the kingdom of God invades there and darkness flees. And so, let's lead the celebration. You know, when the people, God had prepared, the, I don't know if you remember this, but before the people of Israel went into the promised land, the Lord had uh, given them some uh, instructions about some holidays, some celebrations they were supposed to have every year. Three of the most important were Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, all three of which were harvest celebrations. They all came at the end of different phases of the harvest. And it was usually at those same times when the pagan cultures were celebrating too because, you know, it's a big deal to get your harvest in. And, it's, you know, you're, you're tired and worn out. You want to celebrate. So they did. Well, God had prepared his people so that when they went into a godless um, Region to dispossess them and, and actually uh, transform it into the land of their promise. One of the ways they were, uh, one of the methods God gave them to do that by was celebration. And th as they celebrated in a way that was God honoring, and for purposes that were instruct, uh, given by instruction of the Lord. It displaced, it, it put down, it, made, it rendered mute and moot the other godless celebrations that would have gone on otherwise. And I just think that Christians ought to be the ones who set the tone. We ought to be the ones in our neighborhood that the kids want to come to our house because we give more candy than anybody else. Because they have more fun when they come to my door than when they go to the spook house down the street. I think it ought to be that on Sunday, October 31st this year, the church is the place you want to be. And that's why we're having our harvest celebration this year on Sunday as part of our regular worship service. Now, you may think that's nuts. And we may find out afterwards that it is. But we're going to give it a shot. <laughs> because I just think we have an obligation to this 
to our neighbors, to our friends, to this community, to show them there's a better way to have fun. And there's a better person under whose canopy to have that fun 